thank you. Uh, thank all of y'all. Um, Jim, Parker, Ian, guess Jake. And hey, Walker, I'm glad you're back, man. It was good seeing you, man. It really was. Hey, a uh, few things before we get started. First, I'll be turning to Matthew chapter 27. And as you do, a um, few things I just want to tell you. Um, first, that game night on Friday night, you might be sitting there being like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. Well, let me tell you. Um, Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but, but the reason why we thought of this idea is uh, because, you know, winter retreat, that's a fun time. And, you know, we, we do, we go and we meet back in that, that meeting room and we get the games out. We're always hanging out together, having a good time. And uh, that's all this is. Um, we're just going to try to take that winter retreat feel and, and come back and, and, you know, hang out, do that. Um, and honestly, guys, you know, some of y'all get mixed up in some really bad, bad things on a Friday night. And uh, we love to send you out into the world. We want you to be of, in the world, not of the world. But sometimes, hey, how about just for a little break, maybe come, come hang out with us. Maybe it's a better option than what you normally do on a Friday night. So it's just an invitation. And then second thing I want you to know is um, we are taking a, another week off of the, the series we've been doing, The Seven Deadly Sins. The reason for that, did I just get booed? Just got booed. I, I, wow. Um, the reason for that is because um, on this Wednesday night is the last Wednesday we have before Good Friday. Next Wednesday, we do not have youth group because we do Monday, Thursday service um, over in the, uh, the main sanctuary. So this, this is traditionally for the last several years, and I know it's been in junior high, but I would always cover some sort of aspect of the last night in the life of Jesus just to hopefully focus our hearts, our minds, and our attention um, to the, the events that take place on Good Friday. So that's what we're doing tonight. So if you have your Bibles, um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 27, um, we're starting in verse 27, and uh, this is a very, very heavy text. It's a very heavy text. And so uh, just, just know that as we, um, as we read it. This is God's Word, so pay careful attention to it. Matthew 27, starting in verse 27, it reads like this. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hell, King of the Jews! Then they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified, or led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, place of a skull. They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put this, the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests 
with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. <laughs> he can't save himself. He is, not, he, he is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. A very, very, very heavy text. And uh, it's going to get heavy in here tonight. At least I, I hope that should be the, the mood from this text. If I'm teaching this text rightly, there should be a more heavy mood in here. But before we get there, just to lighten the mood up a little bit, we got to cover um, a, a term, a literary term. Maybe you, you learned about this in English class or literature class. Um, but we have to understand this word called irony. Irony. You know, that's a kind of a hard word to define. I've been told over and over again how I have horrible taste in music, by the way. Just, that is a, that is something that I am known for. I do not have good taste in music. Like Creed, yes. You know, like, can you, no, I'm joking, not that good. I mean, everybody's like, hates me. Don't, don't hate me. Like, but I don't, I don't have a great taste in music. People come in my office all the time. Pandora stations are playing and they're like, really, Kyle? Like, what? I was like, this is good stuff, just trust me. Um, but anyway, one of the songs from the 90s that I loved was a song by Alanis Morissette um, called um, Ironic. It's a smash shit. And um, y'all know that song? It's like, rain on your wedding day. I'm filling in for Parker next week. Y'all know that song? Okay. It's a free ride, uh, and you already paid. And, you know, it's the good advice you just didn't take. You know, that's, Alanis Morissette is talking about all these situations that she deems to be ironic. Rain on your wedding day. You know, I, I, oh, I'm really mad at Lance Morissette because she completely ruined my whole understanding of irony thanks to that song because that song has nothing to do with irony. It's not irony. Like, that's, that's the wrong definition for irony. But thanks to Lance Morissette, I don't understand it. So I had to go back and research it. And, and here's a good definition for irony. Irony is the use of words to convey a meaning that is the opposite of its literal meaning. So you say something in, of a meaning, but the opposite is the real meaning. Or another way of saying it, um, it's a figure of speech. Uh, in this figure of speech, emphasis is placed on the opposition between the literal and, and intended meaning of the statements. One thing is said, and its opposite is implied. So you say something, but the opposite of it is, is the reality. That's the irony. Um, maybe you don't get it from the definitions. Okay, well, we'll, well, maybe you're more of a picture learner. So here we go, pictures. This is how we did in first grade. So um, what happened to my picture? Oh, there's one. This one disappeared somehow. But that's irony. You know, we got a rust stopper here, something to prevent rust. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, the humor. Um, you know, how about this? The city, the, 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 this, this ban against plastic bags. <laughs> you know, it's in a plastic bag. You see the irony. It's like the opposite is the true. It's like, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, that, that's humorous, I know. But not only can irony be humorous, even though that really wasn't, um, what irony does, it can add a dimension and a depth, a depth that can be lacking without it. And um, in this text that we just read, it's just full of irony. And from this irony, we, we, we see, it, it just gives us a much deeper, a more profound understanding of what's going on with these, these crazy events 
thorns mashed on somebody's head, nailing someone to a cross. This thing is filled with irony. And from this irony, we, we are able to understand in a much more profound and deeper way what's going on when Jesus is being nailed to the cross. And so our big idea for the night, if I click it the right way, is the glorious ironies from the cross. And notice the word is ironies, plural. I had three points tonight. Started typing. That went down to two points. Started typing some more. We're down to one point for tonight. Unfortunately, I wanted to, there's so much more to say, but, but I, you know what? I can't keep you in here for an hour. So we have one, one, one little piece of irony that I'm going to show you from this text tonight. Maybe next year. We'll cover the rest of them. Um, but, but ironies from the glorious ironies from the cross. And by the way, I also want to let you know, normally when I, when I do one of these, uh, when I get up here and speak, I, I have pulled information from all kinds of commentaries and scholars, and I've done tons of reading and thinking. And, and so normally I don't usually say, oh, by the way, I got this little idea from this person. It's hard to keep up with where I got the idea from. <clears throat> but this one, the bulk of this came from a guy named Don Carson's. And so just know that. Uh, if I'm going to pull this much information from one guy, you probably need to know that, that that's going on so I don't commit play, um, no, don't plagiarize up here, you know? So anyway, one point for tonight about these glorious ironies from the cross. And here's the first one and the only point for the night. The man who is mocked as king is the king of kings. In order to really get this, we, we've got to set the scene. And guys, this is not a fable. This is not, this is not a, you know, a, a fairy tale. True events that have taken place. And so keep this in mind. Because when we pick up the scene, the context is that Jesus is on trial for his life. The religious leaders have brought him before this governor named Pilate. And they say, this Jesus guy, the, the charge is this, that he claims to be a king. Which is a problem. Because the emperor, you know, if anybody defies the emperor, and, you know, that's an issue. This is, <clears throat> he's committing treason. They're, they're accusing him of treason. Like, he's trying to lead a rebellion. This guy claims to be king, and he's trying to lead a rebellion against the, 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 the emperor. That's a big deal. And so what Pilate does, so Jesus is on trial for his life, and so what Pilate does is he pulls Jesus aside. and He's like, all right, Jesus, let, let, let's talk here. Let me ask you a few questions. Are you a king? Are you, are you really a king? Do you really believe, think that you're a king? And Jesus says, according to John, my kingdom is not of this world. And so Pilate's like, wait a minute, what? what? So you are saying you're a king? And Jesus is like, you say that I'm a king. It's like, what? Like, it's kind of cryptic. Is Jesus is obviously claiming to be a king, but Pilate is like, what are you, what? And after more interrogation, he realizes that this Jesus is not a threat to Rome. He realizes that his goal is not to take a group of people and overthrow the Roman Empire. So therefore, Pilate comes back out and he says, you know what, this guy, Jesus, he's innocent. There is no fault. But the religious leaders in the meantime have have created an absolute riot. And now Pilate's hand is kind of forced. And so Pilate, forsaking justice, takes a bowl of water and washes his hands 
Do what you want. I'm washing my hands from the situation. His blood is on you. Let him be crucified. Jesus, an innocent man, sentenced to death. And so the normal, faith, the normal thing that would happen after that, they would take the man, the convicted person, they would take him and they would take, a, they would take him and they would flog him. And y'all know about this, the, those, 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 the cat of nine tails that had the bones and glass and pieces of all kinds of mess in there. And they would, and they would whip Jesus' back, just shredding his back, his sides, his legs. That was the common procedure. But not only when the Romans decided, when they, when they chose to crucify the man, not only did they want to put him in the greatest pain possible, they wanted to shame him as much as possible. They wanted to take every dignity that you have as a man or a woman, they want to take that, that dignity and rip it completely away. And so they would, they would have some fun with these guys, these big uh, criminals who were going to be crucified because the cross was reserved for the worst of criminals. So they took Jesus back into Pilate's headquarters. Now picture this. It says they, the whole battalion gathers around. That's somewhere between 120 to 600 men. Uh, more people than this whole room has in it right now gather around Jesus. And just as a sick, gross joke to absolutely shame Jesus to the, to the nth degree, they strip him naked. They find uh, this purple scarlet robe thing that, that was supposed to be worn by royalty. And they throw it on his bloodied, shattered, crushed back. And then they find these, these thorns. And they twist them, coil them into this little circle. And they take it and they mash it on the head of Jesus. And they take this little cane, this reed, and they shove it in his hands. And then you see, you see there a man, bloodied, blood running down his face, a crown of thorns, this, this mockery of a robe, this little stick in his hands. This is our king! And to, to really have some real fun with him, they would take turns going before him just for, just for laughs, they come before him, they kneel down, and they would say, Hell, King of the Jews. Oh, <laughs> that's funny because look at him. He, he, he's got a crown of thorns on his head. And then they would get up and they would take that reed and smash his head. And then they would spit in his face. Because of where they were saying the, the mocking was, What kind of king are you? <laughs> You're the type of king that gets his own scepter pulled from his head, hands and beaten over the head with it. <laughs> what kind of, look at this king. And the room is just full of laughter. As men who were created through Jesus take a, a stick and beat him with that, they spit in the face of the one through whom and by whom and for whom all things are created. What kind of king is this? Mock him, hell, king of the Jews. And then after they had their fun, they take him out to Calvary, nail him to a cross. And then what they would do, because again, crucifixion was the worst. 
back in that day, you wouldn't have, you couldn't talk about the cross in normal conversations. It was, it was not appropriate because it was so gross, so vile, the thought of crucifixion. We could, we, it wouldn't be a normal conversation. And so what they would do is they would take the crime the person would commit and nail it over his head because anybody walking by would look up and be like, well, that looks horrible. What do you do? Oh, I'm never going to do that. I will never do what he just did. And the crime they put, Pilate, Pilate was the one in John, decides what's the crime. He writes down this, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. Jewish leaders didn't like that. Pilate, I think, out of just frustration with the Jewish leaders, knowing he got bulldozed by him. You know, the Jewish leaders wanted to say, no, no, don't say he's the, our king. Say he claimed to be king. Pilate goes, no, that's what I've written. That's what stands. That's what the message is going to be from the cross. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then as he's hanging there, defenseless, powerless, People would come by, and by the way, the cross, I don't, I, I, histor- people, historians say that it wasn't like elevated too high, like way up there. Like you could get eye level with the person on the cross because they, again, they want to completely humiliate you. So as Jesus is hanging there naked on a cross, people would come by to mock him. And you see in verse 42, the, the religious leaders looking at him and just scoffing. This is the king of Israel. <laughs> Jesus, come down from the cross if you're the real king. Guys, over and over again in this text, we see Jesus is mocked and mocked and mocked because he claimed to be a king. What kind of king? What kind of king wears a crown of thorns? What kind of king gets beaten over the head with his own scepter? What kind of king is nailed to a cross? They mock him because on face value, this here is a person who is a phony, a defeated king, a failed king, a joke of a king. But again, here's the irony. You remember, that's why we talked about irony at the beginning. Here's the irony. The one that they're mocking to be a king, well, he is the king. You know, the whole book of Matthew, one of the big themes in Matthew is revealed in verse 1. From the very opening of Matthew 1, verse 1, it says this, the book and genealogy of Jesus Christ, listen to this, the Son of of David. Well, that's very, very significant. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and from the very opening phrase, he's saying, here's the son of David. And these Jewish people will know what that meant. Because back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God made a covenant, made a promise to King David. And he said, from your line, there will come an heir who would take your throne, and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. His rule will be an eternal rule. This king will be greater than you were. And the Jewish people waited for a thousand years for this king to come. And by the way, if you look at the history of Israel from the time of David to the time of Jesus, it wasn't pretty. 
There was no king at this point. Israel had been taken to captivity and then let out of captivity. I mean, there's in a bad situation. And Matthew opens up his book and says, do you know that long-awaited king? Here he is. I'm about to tell you, tell, tell you all about this king. And again, the irony of this. Listen to me. What kind of king is this Jesus? Because, again, in these people's minds, when they think, okay, here comes a king, you know what that ha- they have in mind. Good kings, what do they do? They conquer enemies. What do king, good kings do? They, they, make it, they make peace throughout the, 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 with the people and throughout the land. They provide generously for the people. That's what good kings do. And so these people, these Jewish people thought, okay, a good king, a king from the line of David coming. They thought, okay, conquering. This means what a king does when he conquers. What does that mean? It means slaying their enemies. It means war. It means means through power, through strength, through force, through dominance. We will defeat our enemies. That's the king that the Jews were expecting. When When they thought of a king that would establish peace, they thought of trees and alliances. But what kind of king would be nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns around his head? You know, Jesus already gave this away back in Matthew um, chapter 20 to his disciples. He said this. He called them together. He said this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. Shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first must among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, Jesus was letting them know that this king, his, his, as being a king, his authority, what that look like? His authority would be exercised for the good of his subjects. And that would lead him to the cross. You know, I think this is why Pilate is so baffled by Jesus. Because there's never been a king like Jesus. And so the irony of ironies, guys, from this text, is that all the jeering, all the mockery, and that sign that's over Jesus on the cross, it is all, you ready for this? Ironically, it's all proclaiming the truth. And unlike earthly kings who murder and rape and pillage to conquer people, this king, this king was conquering his enemies in utter weakness on the cross. You know, sin has many consequences. Remember remember in Genesis 3 when man sinned, what did God do? He curses Everything, he curses creation. Remember we said, said the ground, cursed is the ground. From it now thorns and thistles grow. You know that? So because of sin, all of creation is under a curse. The curse of sin. Curse brought on by sin. And here's what's amazing about this thor- crown of thorns that Jesus is wearing. Those thorns are there because of man's sin. It's a picture that Jesus is bearing the curse of all creation. With that crown of thorns. Not only that, but the core curse of sin, the curse, the curse that came from sin was death. 
That's the curse of sin, the curse of the law. We see in Genesis 3, or Galatians 3, verse 13, it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it is written out of the book of Deuteronomy, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. From the crown of thorns, from the hanging of the tree, we see that Jesus is conquering the curse by becoming a curse. Not through, not through, not through war and, and rape and pillage. and No, through weakness on a cross. Jesus takes our curse. Jesus also he conquers our sin on the cross. Remember at the end of it, he cries out in victory, it is finished, meaning sin has been entirely paid for. Not only that, but Jesus conquers our enemy and his enemy, Satan. It says this in Colossians 2 verse 15, that he disarms the rulers and authorities and puts them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. From the cross, from this God-forsaken cross, Jesus is ransoming His people. He's triumphantly conquering sin, the curse of sin, Satan and all demons. He is conquering through utter weakness, utter shame, on a God-forsaken cross. There is no king like my king. The question is, do you know this king? You know, we hear king and we kind of freak out, don't we? Because we've seen how kings have abused their power, abused their authority. The closest thing we have to a king in this country is our president. And boy, isn't that a mess. I mean, look what, look what, what options we're about ready to have. It is a joke. But our king, this king, He conquers by a cross. And so, guys, a lot of you just stumble in here. I don't know where you are at with your, in your life. Some of you are like, yeah, 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 I know, I know the gospel message. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Kyle, that whole story you just told, pfft, knew it since third grade. Have you submitted to this king? He is a king, the king of kings. Right now on the, in heaven, there's, there's, there's all kinds of creatures and, and people falling before the thrones, crying out, worthy is the lamb who was slain. There's this guy named um, Dr. S.M. Lockridge. Don't know much about him, but I saw this video a while back. And I love this as a summary of my king, it goes like this. I, I did skip a few things.
The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Guys, as we go into next week, the one thing I really want y'all to take away is this is our king. From that cross, we see a sign that says, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. It was meant for mockery. It was meant to say he committed a crime. But God in his sovereign providence made sure that that sign was above Jesus' head because he's proclaiming to everyone in this room right now that Jesus is king. He's a conquering, ruling king. And he conquered through death on a cross. Do you know him? 
Have you submitted your life to Him? Because I'm telling you, you're wasting your life, you're wasting your teenage years by just jumping from party to party, girlfriend or boyfriend to girlfriend or boyfriend. There's more to it. Do you know this King? Let's pray. Father, we give You praise. And we give You thanks as we remember this week, the Holy Week. We remember Palm Sunday that we celebrate this Sunday as Jesus enters into the city. We remember Monday, Thursday as Jesus is in the upper room with His disciples. And we remember Gethsemane and the betrayal and the arrest and and all the trials and the beatings and the mocking and the shame. And we remember the cross on Good Friday where there hung a man who looked utterly defeated, utterly hopeless, utterly powerless. And he was conquering all of our enemies. He was freeing us from all sin and all the penalties from sin. And we remember the resurrection when He rose from that grave, proving that His sacrifice was enough and death could not hold Him down. Father, we have many other idols, many other things that we turn to, many other messages that we believe. Even though we wouldn't say it out loud, our lives prove that we believe other things. Would you just focus our minds, at least for this week, on the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Would we remember, Father, help us to remember what He has conquered, what He has defeated, what He has done through death on a cross. Would you, um, just even tonight, draw people who do not know you to yourself for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.